Hello and welcome to the Digital PR Podcast, a podcast that will cover the big talking points of the digital PR industry. My name is Steve Baker and this is Louise Parker. Hello. We both work at digital marketing agency Propellernet and we've both been working in digital PR for a long time. Nearly a decade for you, Lou, right? Yep, that's right. And over a decade for me now. In the last few years, we've seen the digital PR industry explode. And with that has come a lot of interesting conversations about how the discipline works and where it's going. From creativity to relevance to burnout, this podcast will cover the subjects that everyone is talking about with the help of some very special guests. In this episode, we'll be talking to Luke Cope. He's the co-founder of one of the newest digital PR agencies out there, Bottled Imagination. We wanted to talk to Luke because as he's starting a new agency, we were really interested to hear how someone starting from scratch would approach company culture. These days, culture isn't just about having a beer tap and a ping pong table in the office. Was it really ever, though? Uh, And we want to discuss with him how things have changed and what does make good agency culture. Welcome, Luke. Thanks very much for having me. Do you say I'm the second one ever of this podcast? Of of recording, yes. We're going to start with the basics. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what's your background? Kind of, you know, where have you come from? Where, how have you got to this point and what are you up to at the moment? Yeah, so I've been, I've been in digital marketing industry for about 11 years now. Um, so I've worked at probably three different agencies in that time. Um, I've worked loads of different jobs before that. So literally every job you can think of, I've worked in the mail room. I've been a lawn technician, which is basically just a gardener. Uh, I've done basically every job as a kid and that sort of stuff. And then... Yeah, I got into digital marketing um, not long after uni. I went self-employed pretty quick and just uh, I was just writing um, and I got some like good writing gigs like Topman and Siemens and some other big companies and then that got me a job in an agency. Uh, so I started off as an, an agency called Cuba in Sheffield um, and basically got to build up like a content marketing offering from there, did sort of everything from start to finish. So it was a good way of learning everything. Um, so yeah, I've been around for a while. My most recently, I was content marketing director at Rise at Seven, and then yeah, like five months ago now, I, I co-founded and set up Bold Imagination with two other colleagues from Rise, um, and we publicly launched about seven weeks ago. Um, and yeah, it's gone really well so far. Yeah, congratulations on yeah. the new agency launch. It seems to be Thank going you. very well from everything you can see on like Twitter and things like that. Um, but I mean, like I mentioned in the intro, that is actually one of the real reasons we wanted to speak to you because it's not, you don't always get the opportunity to speak to someone at the beginning of their kind of agency life when they've started it themselves. So I imagine there was lots of decisions that you've been making in the last couple of months around what, how you want your agency to come across and what you want your culture to be. So yeah, we would love to dig into that subject. I guess what a quite good place to start is what does company culture mean to you and and why do you think it is important? Yeah, it's something that we we had quite a bit of time to plan out. Um, so along with our offering, it was like, what type of agency do we want to create, which is was quite nice to sit and think about before sort of launching and then thinking about that after we've launched. Um, it's something I felt I've been part of in lots of other agencies I've worked at. So I've organised Christmas dues. I've always liked to feel part of the company that I'm working at. Um, so in terms of what it means to me, it's like a big part of, of working of working life. I like being part of those kind of agencies and feeling sort of integral to it. I see it probably more as a set of values that are more guidelines. So the actual culture is probably going to be formed by our employees. So we, it's not going to be formed by the values that we stick on the wall in the office or anything like that. Um, we're going to say this is the kind of place we want it to be. And then I imagine um, employees are going to kind of make that, that kind of culture themselves and interpret it how they want to interpret it. And I think that can like ebb and flow in different agencies and sometimes it can change slightly depending on what type of people you have and what kind of groups come into those uh, to those to the companies as well. So I see it as something that like it's probably going to be set by the employees, but we'll give a, a set of guidelines of, of what it is. Um, like I said, it's, it's always been important to me and I think we spend like 75% of our days at work. So we might as well create places that it's enjoyable to work and work around like minded people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It I mean it's so so fascinating to hear you sort of talk about like how how important it is to you but how it's going to be led by the employees. You also reference I just wanted to pick up on it cuz um I think I share the same view but like you know where you have like the values stuck on the wall. What do you think of 
What do you think of that kind of thing? Like where you've got like, you know, pride or sort of perfect, that kind of thing. What do you make yeah. of it? Is it something you do? Or yeah, do you are just, you going to have words? Yeah, what words are you going to have? Yeah, we're, we're going to get imprinted on pillows in the office. No, it's like, <laughs> I, think, I think it's like, like I said, it's more of a guideline. No one wakes up every day and thinks, like one of our values is use your imagination. They don't. They're not going to skip to work. Think I'm going to use my imagination today. It's it's a set of guidelines, and they're going to interpret that how they how they see fit. Um, it, I don't think it's something you can really hammer into people and and say it's stuff that you can re- reinforce, but there's no real need to as long as they know what kind of agency they're at and the kind of the culture they're at. And like I said, they're not going to look at a sign in the kitchen and be inspired every day. It's going to be what they're actually doing as opposed to. Almost like what I was really keen on not doing is coming up with values for the sake of it mm-hmm. and just having them there. And, I've, you know, you can do some, sometimes at like a board level or SLT level, you can, you can almost do activities for the sake of it and never actually filters down. It's just stuff you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very keen for that not to be the case and not just be a set of words that we pulled we pull together because we felt like we needed to sort of thing. Yeah. I think sometimes it can become like a weird test where like the words are just there for you to remember because someone at some point more senior than you might be like, yeah, yeah. what are our values? Repeat them, <laughs> repeat them for me. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh crap, I can remember three of them, but what's the fourth yeah. one? Um, but yeah, you're right. It's good to use it as like that kind of something that everything kind of falls from and you can hmm. like, uh, yeah, what was, sorry, what was the one that you said? It was imagination. Use your imagination. Use your imagination. Yeah, yeah, that's like so applicable for so many different like facets of agency life from your work to like how you're going to yeah, run fun mm. things and stuff like that. It's really nice. It's a good one. How much do you want to be known for the culture at Bottled Imagination? Like obviously the work is is going to be super important, but do, like some agencies they they really push like this is a great place to work, the culture's amazing. We're obviously going to talk more about that in a bit, but like how much do you want to be known for it at Bottled Imagination? Yeah, we're, I think we're very keen, like, when when we were launching, the main concern is, like, can we get work in and can we pay people if we hire people, that kind of thing. So we're still at that kind of, like, mm. stage of let's create something and then let, let's think about that integrates with how what kind of agency we want to be. Um, but it's been a big part of our conversations. And, like, Katie in particular has, has, has said multiple times she wants to create a very good place to work. And then once you say that, you want to – then you've got to think about how to actually do that and how to implement it and at what stages uh, – certain perks come in and that kind of stuff um yeah i think i'm i really want like a real culture like a not something that that is blasted out on social as being awesome and i don't know what it's like to work at a lot of agencies but every agency looks awesome to work at if you just look at social media so i want something that people just really enjoy enjoy coming to work enjoy doing um good quality work and don't wish away their days of the week i think that's the main thing i don't want people not wanting to come to work on a Sunday night. That's like my absolute worst nightmare of running a company. So we're going to basically do whatever we can to make it an enjoyable place to work for people. Nice. Um, obviously, you've started your agency. I guess, can we say we've come out of COVID? Not Probably not officially, but it's, you know, we've, we, we're out of lockdowns and things like that. Off the back of COVID and lockdowns, the kind of flexibility of where people can work, um, what people want from their role has changed a lot. There's been quite a shift, um, basically from 2020 to now. Um, how has that kind of like impacted what you're doing within your agency? So could you imagine basically if you were starting your agency in 2019, would it feel quite different to the agency that you're starting now? What has changed in these last couple of years? Yeah, it's, I think it. I think it's inevitably changed things and made things a bit more difficult. I think I joined uh, Rise at Seven, and then seven weeks later we went into a lockdown. So I was kind of in that in in that boat where I'd met people, um, but then we basically grew an agency during the during the lockdown, the first lockdown. Um, so I felt like at the time we were robbed of a lot of our celebrating of those wins and stuff like that because we were just sat on our sofas. Um, we couldn't really do anything together or anything. Um, but I think at least everyone was in the same boat then. So we, we literally couldn't go outside. We're all in lockdown. We're all working remote. Um, and I think now it's the hybrid switch is going to make things slightly more difficult to make it consistent between working from home and coming into the office. Um, so it's, it's definitely changed things. I think it's made it slightly more difficult. Um, we're currently working from our Manchester office like two, three days a week, um, which is a co-working space. And we're basically those are the days everyone goes in and we meet because we're brand new we're brand, got, getting brand new staff in those are the days that we we certainly want to go we'll go out for lunch we'll go out for dinner uh, we'll get to know each other um, and then we'll get a better understanding of what kind of agency this is 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 going to be versus what we thought it was going to be as well 
Um, and there's a, it's a lot easier to do that in person, there's no doubt. But we are being flexible with things as well because things have changed and it seems a, it seems a little bit archaic now to expect everyone to go in five days a week uh, to an office. So, Yeah. We agree. I mean, it's something that, that me and Lou talk about quite a lot. I'd say it's one of the biggest challenges. You mentioned there like consistency and, and making sure you're sort of growing a culture despite people being like dotted all around the country because it feels like such a long time ago we were all coming into the office like every day and sort of having that, yeah. like getting to know each other, sort of all of the, the kind of, I hate the word, I'm trying to think of another banter. <laughs> What's another word for banter? I really need a better word. Is there it's a not the only word we know that is, yeah, yeah. camaraderie. <laughs> camaraderie, that's a good one. Thanks. Um, I was going to ask about how easy or difficult it's been to kind of attract staff because obviously when you're an existing agency that has been around for a while, you you kind of, you can get a sense quite easily online and through speaking to people who've already worked there, like what it, what the culture's like. You're, you're brand new and obviously you, you kind of... Um, people know about you and your work and, and your co-founders work but like h- how have you sort of sold the company to people or how easy have you found it to attract sort of from brand new if you don't mind me asking yeah i think it's it's a similar challenge with the clients as well as the the staff we've got to sort of tell a story about how we got there what we wanted to be um so we've kind of just tried to do that and i think there's i think you know a, a startup is like this that is very small right now is going to appeal to, to a certain type of person as well uh, the type of person that wants to create something over inheriting something, um, and that and that is like a massive appeal of joining a startup. And I've really enjoyed it in the in the in the past. So I think the chance for someone to come in and be part of creating that culture is like a, a big appeal in itself. They're not joining a culture that they already know about, that they may or may not like or may not get on board with everything. They've got a chance to basically help create it, um, and that, we're very keen to try and get them as as part of the process as well to create the culture. So. I think that's a big appeal and that's kind of kind of a big selling point. And I think also transparency, so risk and things like that, and discussing it early on, saying this is where we are at currently, this is where we want to be. Um, we're going to be slightly riskier to join than an established agency that's been around 10 years. I've got 4 million quid in the bank. So I think being transparent about all those things and then therefore it's not a, a, sh- a shock when they're joining a startup and they in a slightly different environment to an established agency, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think transparency and then getting them to be part of it and getting them to buy in early to it uh, and actually end up creating that culture is quite a, quite a big appeal to a certain type of person. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely agree. I think it's it gives you... Because even if I assume, even if you're coming in on maybe a slightly more junior position or because it is so fresh, you can feel like you're shaping an agency that will hopefully be around for years and years and years. And that's a, a really cool yeah. thing to be part of um, and will will give a sense of camaraderie that you can't really get in an agency that's really well established because a lot of places are often set in their ways, take a lot of time to make changes. So, yeah, there's that uh, kind of yeah. perk that I'd never really considered. I think if you if you win a client and you're an agency of 200 people and there's a, a corner of three people that were celebrating that win, for example, it's a lot different if you're the whole agency celebrating that win, which is what's going to happen for the next six months, a year at least. Yeah. So it's, it's quite nice to be really, really involved in it. Well, obviously we had a, had a little bit of a, an early chit-chat, but um, just to get all our cards on the table in terms of um, what you like in terms of agency culture we have a bit of a quick fire round that's what i'm trying to get at um where we have listed out a number of perks and culture-based things that often agencies have or have had or are trending at the moment and we would love to get your thoughts on them don't feel like you need to give loads of explanation you can just say hate it love it and we can move on but if you want to elaborate then oh, i'm gonna do some digging at some, some of them <laughs> we had a lot i'm of really fun. trying not to trip up on this section. Yeah. <laughs> just to clarify this is not a quiz it's just to get your thoughts yes um so let's start off with i mentioned it in the intro office ping pong tables yay or nay a stereotype, but why not? Like I said, I've worked in some places like call centres and Burger King, and I think it's nice that I've got a ping pong table. It shouldn't be the only incentive, but why not? <laughs> all the money's going on the ping pong table, and that's all. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I completely agree. We we had one at Propellernet for a while, and we actually had uh, an office table tennis tournament, and it was genuinely some of the best lunch times I've ever had. Like really, really good yeah. fun. 
Fair enough. There's always I, a secret ping pong t- table player as well. There's always a table tennis player in the office that just doesn't say anything and they're amazing as I'll soon as they get on it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I was pretty good and there was this guy called Mark who no longer works with us, but he was insanely good and I actually got yeah. too competitive. So I think it almost like had a had a negative effect on the culture <laughs> because again, I could have been a grown up, but I was irritable because I lost. So um, yeah. <laughs> Counterpoint is that I know of an agency uh, and they had to get rid of the ping pong table because um, someone complained that it, the noise was driving them absolutely up the wall, mm. which I'm like, I guess if you're not playing ping pong, the sound of a ping pong ball bouncing and also probably hitting you in the head now and again might get a bit annoying. But probably it's contentious. Um, second one, alcohol based fun. I think this is something that's been talked about more and more recently. Let's not a more serious one, but um, about whether yeah. that is a... I'm I'm okay with it, but it needs to be inclusive for everyone and it can't be your sole way of organising events. Good answer. Yeah, totally agree. agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Company holidays. Full disclosure, Propellant are going on a skiing trip next <laughs> next year, so... <laughs> as, as in all, go, all going away together? Yes. Company holiday. <laughs> okay, myself, James and Katie went away before we launched and I know them pretty well and that was fine. Um, if it was with a load of people I'm not comfortable with, then I'd probably struggle, but I'm not the barometer on social awkwardness. So <laughs> Why not? Make of that what you will. I, I'm intrigued. I'm going to dig away there. Why are you not the barometer? I, I would feel bad if someone was sharing a room with me. Ah. I'd be like, that. this isn't going to be that much fun for you kind of thing. Like, I'm... So just level with I them think, early on. This is not going to be fun. Yeah, I'm going I'm to find the most the next awkward person to me and be like, let's team up and then we don't have to take part in everything sort of thing. Um, no, I, th- I think they're pretty cool. I think that's quite a cool incentive. Depends where you go. Like a ski trip sounds amazing. So I think to be able to pay for a staff to go and do something like that in a few years would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think we we it's a uh, you don't have to go, which I think is the key with these things. Right, it's yeah, like ima- yeah. imagine it's like you're forced on the slopes. Um, but yeah, if, if if it's not your thing, then you don't have to. But um, but yeah, I'm like free holiday. I'm there. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, charity days. So not taking holiday days, but being allowing your employees to take uh, days off to do charity work. Oh, cool. Yeah, I like that. I mean, yeah, for that, I'm not going to say I'm anti-charity. I, know, <laughs> That's, I think Lou was trying to trip you up there by, <laughs> by yeah. getting a soundbite. It's like, Luke, co- oh, co-founder of Bottle of Imagination is yeah, anti-charity. Two months in, I've ruined everything. <laughs> Office dogs? Oh, absolute necessity for my well-being. I think they should probably be paid a salary. Oh, yes, um, they should. So I'd say, I'd say hello to people's dogs before I say hello to them, usually, if, if they bring their dog in. <laughs> That's great. See, I love dogs. I do genuinely love dogs and I'm kind of with you on it. But we have had some experiences where, you know, like a dog sort of like weed on the carpet when like clients were in and there was like some barking, you know, just yeah. just some stuff that and, and it ended up getting banned for a while, didn't it? Like or stopped for a while. And now because it's remote, it just doesn't really happen. But I love it. I think they in aid well-being and create a lovely feel and, and kind of, yeah, culture. But it can be yeah, a bit risky. Think- it's when you br- someone brings their dog in it, it sort of gives me nothing back. That's when I'm, I'm against it. You know, I mean, they're not <laughs> yeah, polite that's upsetting. Dog. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it just hurts my feelings for yeah. the rest of the day. So as long as they're friendly, then yeah. Then yeah, pro. Um, we, we kind of touched on this earlier, but mandatory office days. So you have to go in on X day. I think if you've, if you've joined a company and that's been discussed before you've joined or early on, then yeah, you're joining that type of company that's saying that they want you in on, on X day. Um so I think if you, if you do that, you shouldn't be shocked that you have to do it. But uh, for me, I think a hybrid is, is like totally fine. I think it, it just needs to be discussed early on with on um, individual basis, I think, and make it fair company-wide. Yeah, yeah, because I think at, at, the, at the time of recording, uh, Twitter, I think, have just announced, or Elon has just announced that uh, all Twitter employees have to suddenly go back to the office. And it's just been... Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but that's... Yeah, there's, there's, people in, there's people in Ireland that live nowhere near Dublin or wherever their headquarters is that yeah. are now they're supposed to move in a week or something. Yeah. So obviously that's like completely unreasonable. I miss that. That is ridiculously unreasonable I mean, if you've got a job remote and it's like, yeah. oh, no, you, sorry, you do need to move now. Yeah. That's Shocking true. that. And, and I think, um, I don't think that is going to instill a good culture when you're being forced to do something that, yeah, you haven't signed up for. So the whole no. point, if you're like, hey, this is going to make everything better, you're like, well, people are just, you're starting off on the wrong foot there by forcing them in. Um, 
employee of the week schemes. It feels quite old school, but I think there's like different versions of them in, in agencies. But that kind of like end of the week, end of the month, oh, so-and-so, you have been the best at this or you've got the most links or yada, yada, that kind of thing. Um, the, the only time I've seen it done is employee of the month awards and that was usually given to someone who they're worried about leaving that month. That's the only time I've actually seen it implemented. Um, it was actually pretty successful at re- re- retaining them for another month sort of thing. Uh, okay. Um, so I've never really seen it done that well. And I think it, it's quite also quite, I mean, you just mentioned links there as well. Uh, it's quite hard. It's almost like digital PRs could be the strikers as well and they, get the, they can get the glory, but actually someone in technical SEO may have done something amazing that month and it's, it's less tangible. Um, so it, it's quite hard to, to make there across different teams, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've never, I've never really seen it done spectacularly well. So not, not probably on the list for old imagination then? Not not the minute. And also, it'd just be between like four of us at the moment. So Imagine um, if you didn't win be. ever. Oh, God. I know. Well, I, I vote for myself most weeks, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be, out, be outvoted. Uh, bonuses. Um, I think coming back to fairness, uh, it's, hard, it's a hard one to get right. So I think in, there's some scenarios, and this is probably similar to commission type stuff, but... You can go on a pitch, for example, with someone from new business. They might not say anything, but they might get commissioned for that win, for example. Um, so it comes down to fairness. So it needs to be consistent, even with Christmas bonuses or anything like that, uh, across teams and across across the whole company. Else, you go to annoy a lot of people, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, propellant is the first place that I got a bonus from. Like other places that, that I was, you just... got a bonus, <laughs> Steve. Please. Yeah, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we no. all got bonuses. <laughs> but, um, and I was really impressed because obviously I started quite junior um, and the the bonuses are the same for everyone. So it's not a percentage of your salary. Yeah. It's not um, a different uh, amount dependent on your performance or, or your level or anything. It's just like um, equal across everyone, which I think is Yeah, nice. I, I've, I've had them before as well. And, you know, it's nice, but I've also felt a bit guilty about getting them mm. if someone else hasn't got them as well. Yeah. So. Um, away days. So getting your team together, going to a manor house or going to a anywhere, Alton Towers. Yeah, I think I've worked at a university for after finishing uni, so my my experience of away days is slightly more mundane than that, and it's oh. actually, it wasn't as much fun at all. Um, yeah, I think I'm for it. Why not? We did quite a lot of that stuff at Rise of Seven, and it was it was always quite fun. I don't don't think you have to make it mandatory though. Um, yeah. Having to put your own money into a birthday fund for your colleagues. Okay. Depends if I like them or not. Um, and now now it's my staff I'm going to have to do it. So I've really got a choice. Um, I'm, I was joking on the first point. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to do it now. I run a company. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to add to this one because when Lou put this down and we looked at it, I then just added a little bit, just saying birthday donuts. And I don't know who invented this, who came up with it, why they thought it was a good idea. But you know, like back when we were all working in the office all the time and it was your birthday, you were kind of expected to bring in donuts or cakes for everyone. It's like, but it's my birthday. Buy me things. (laughs) Like, why are you buying them for everyone else? Like, why doesn't just maybe everyone have a whip round and get you some donuts that you can then choose to share if you want to? I agree. I try and keep it on the down low as much as possible and... If anyone, so when they get together and sing happy birthday and that kind of stuff, on, and it's my birthday, I try and make that as not enjoyable as possible for everyone else. As well. <laughs> um, so I will give nothing back until they stop. And then the birthday Grinch, oh, if you will. I like it. Just, I've got to enjoy it as well, haven't I? So. Yeah, <laughs> get something out of it. Uh, what are your feelings towards unlimited holiday? Again, another big kind of thing that's happened in the last. A couple of years? Yeah, I think some take too little, some people take too much. Um, it requires a staff not to misuse it, and I don't, I don't know if I have the the right kind of answer for it, but I don't think we'll be implementing it. I don't know if you do it at propellant at all. Is that- we, do. we do, yeah, yeah, we do, but um, do. it's it kind of to be honest, it started as a not as a. Uh, sort of dreamed of as a perk for staff necessarily like oh this is going to be able to like attract staff and it was mainly because of covid yeah. because every, like, obviously no one could go anywhere so everyone was like yeah, kind of yeah. gathering up their holiday allowance and it was like well actually we need to find a way of making this work and then we started it trialed it for a year and 
exactly as you said, Luke, as long as staff don't abuse it, it actually works quite well. Because for me, it's like where you can take, I think we said you can take the odd day if you just like want to do something for yourself that day and you're not like counting the holiday days, it can work quite nicely. Yeah. But ultimately, it's almost exactly the same. Like it doesn't change yeah. that much. No one's going to take that. Oh, I'm just taking nine weeks off. Cheers. Bye. You know, that's not going to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. We also ha- like um, like quarterly are, are checking that people are taking them. And some people are absolutely fine with taking holidays, no issues. And then, there, are, like you said, there are some people who just... For, for whatever yeah. reason, just aren't aren't taking them, and and maybe not having a number makes that harder for them. So, I've I, like I thought sometimes thinking I was like just aim for like twenty eight days. Like it, that yeah. that can be like that's because that's a really healthy amount of holiday days. And I just think like if you need a number, that's a good one to aim for. And then if you need to take more, great. Yeah. And I think we'll we'll probably just do that. We'll give generous holiday. Yeah. And I think it, it, that'll be that'll be the case. If you love what you do, you're always on holiday. That's a phrase that I'm going to try and instill at the agency and the team. I've just thought of that. I think that's that genius, going in the that? kitchen. I'm going to I'm going to put that in the kitchen. This is going to be similar to charity day, surely. But mental health support um, in terms of an employer <laughs> offering um, it. What are your thoughts? Cope goes against mental health support. That's what you're trying to get. Um, yeah, it's becoming a necessity, isn't it? Like it's. Oh, I really want an environment where that's accepted and understood um at the very least and we want to create an op- uh, environment where that's an option for, for sure like i just think it's it's just a necessity now and it's unfortunate that it is but um yeah we definitely want to create an environment where that's where that's an offering sort of thing um work from anywhere in the world policy um again i've worked in the mail room where they had no windows when i was younger so that sort of thing to me is just unreal that we can actually do that in this industry um i think we're going to try and do it i think we need to figure out the legalities behind it um but to, to have at least a brief period over the year where like two weeks out of the year you can go work from where, wherever you want um that's something we're probably going to try and offer i think yeah nice nice um free snacks and if if you're pro free uh, snacks and what free snacks i will just eat anything that's there so it needs to be like i'm I'm sort of annoyed when I see like fruit and stuff, but then that means I just eat the fruit instead of whatever else is put there. So as long as there's a nice mixture of healthy stuff, we had <laughs> we had like free cereal at my previous agency, so I was having like three bowls of cereal a day. So it's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm for it. Just please put some healthy stuff there, so I'll just eat whatever's there. <laughs> Um, in the propeller net kitchen, I don't know if you've noticed, Steve, but there's recently been an introduction of crunchy nut, and I swear that's to try and entice people to come to the office more. Is, so is that actually? Uh-huh. Sorry to clarify. This is an important clarification, Luke. Apologies, but is that start for staff? I thought that was someone's private crunchy nut. So I've not been taking advantage. I've been taking advantage. Was there an announcement about this? I don't know. You've been eating someone's crunchy <laughs> cut, nut. Cut no. this out. Cut this out. Oh, the podcast. Yeah. We're gonna have to. Yeah, definitely it's cut a, this in, bit out. I've just. I'd stay in this podcast room if I was you. (laughs) Um, And a a last one, which seems a strange um, perk, but you do see it now and again, is your own laptop. I mean, this is a perk on our website as well, which I only realised before I was about to (gasps) take take the mickey out of it. But you kind of need one, don't you, to be able to do the job. So um, it it is actually on the site. But uh, yeah, I mean, you just need one. It's not really a perk. It should just be, it's just part of it. Sorry, that wasn't a pointed point. I did not realise that. No, no, I didn't even know. Um, um, I don't really know how to use a Mac, um, which is quite an embarrassing thing to say. Or I'm not like, I look old when I'm using a Mac, basically. I look uncomfortable. Um, So I was the only one at an agency, about 100 people with a Windows. Um, So I was immediately (laughs) segregated. So you've got to be careful with that. Um, Well, thank you for indulging us with that that quick fire round. It is really enlightening. and, And actually, there's a lot of kind of, stuff that you would consider as essential, some that's a little bit more old school. The the follow-up question to that is, in general, do you think like what employees kind of want from agency culture has shifted? And and if so, kind of how? Like how, how do you think it's changed? Yeah, quite possibly it has changed. I think when when I was a uh, recent uh, graduate and stuff when I was younger, I do remember all I heard about agencies and how it was different was that it's more full on uh, you work harder, longer hours and all that sort of stuff. There's more of a hustle culture. And that is the association with agencies over the years, I think. And now it's probably switching to people want a better work-life balance and they want the perks and security that you get in-house but at an agency. 
Um, so we can see that mirror the list of benefits that agencies are offering from like four days a week, uh, four day weeks to like unlimited holidays and that kind of stuff. And it's become almost like a bit of a perk war, but it's been driven by the people. Like they they want certain things now that they didn't get in the past. And I don't think it's a lot to ask to have like a a, a good work life balance at an agency. It, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be out of the question. So yeah, I think rightfully probably it's shifting. People, what people want is shifting um, definitely. Do you think um, maybe people are going from, you kind of touched on it, but from kind of physical things that they might have wanted or kind of think or experiences that they might have wanted, for example, like being taken to Thought Park every month um, to actually, like you said, the more work-life balancing. So more like an agency is set up to facilitate a better kind of working experience rather than maybe the ping pong tables and the the free cereal and things like that. I think that's it. I think if you think what what the average person is going through now, they're probably going through some some sort of mental health problems or something, um, and maybe even financial problems or their family might be and stuff like that. So when it comes down to it, people want to be pay, paid a fair wage. They want decent balance in their life so they can, you know, they can feel normal. And it's not all about work. And when you're, if you try and replace that with we're going to Thought Park today, people are going to be like, I don't really want to do that. I just want to like finish at 5 30 and and see my family that kind of thing so yeah yeah I totally agree. I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting to hear you say that because I, I, I totally agree for the, the, I reckon if I was asked like, what would you strip away from the, the culture at PropellerNet? Like I'd sort of take away everything before I took away work-life balance because I think that's one thing we do really, really well. And I don't, I hear so many horror stories. Like I had a mate years ago who got a new job at an agency in London. I certainly won't name them, but he went in at like, I think like half eight on his first day and like the, the contracted hours were like nine. He basically got told, oh no, we will turn up at kind of half seven. And he left within a few weeks. And I think you're right, Luke, because he's, people doing that, people taking charge of that and saying, no, I'm just not going to stand for it. Like, yeah, occasionally I'll, I'll have to work through a lunch mm-hmm. or a little bit later because stuff needs doing and stuff comes up last minute. But it should be the exception rather than the rule. Like, we all have lives. And actually, we're going to talk about burnout in a bit, but it's just, it's like the fastest way to burn out if you're constantly working. So, yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, exactly. A lot of those examples that we ran through, some of them do involve having budget available to pay for them and um some of them are very much worth that budget but um as a new agency um what's the importance in terms of having the money available to do certain things that are going to aid your company culture and what can you do for free or nearly free you know that might be helpful for other people who might be thinking of starting their own agency yeah i think you, you probably need some so like i like the thought of having like little rituals so whether that's like a curry club or a book club uh something you do each month as as an agency to get people together a gaming night whatever that might be um and sometimes they require a little bit of budget um and it's it's also not going out for a meal now isn't cheap at all like which we're finding out so it, <laughs> it's it, that kind of stuff where it used to be actually a, you could probably pay like not loads and loads of money to be able to go for a meal with like five six members of staff is actually quite expensive now um so i guess if you're the type of agency that has stuff like ping pong tables and pool tables and uh i know gaming area and stuff like that you can probably host quite a lot of the stuff within 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 the office and it still be fun and that won't require as much budget um but yeah i like the little things that i've done at past agencies where We'd have pizza and pool night once a month, and that was where everyone got together. We ordered some drinks in. It got a Domino's, and that was good. Everyone looked forward to that. Um, so I think there's stuff you can do without breaking the bank, and you've got to try, try and find that fine line between, okay, like, let's go on a nice walk because no one's going to want to do that with me. Like, So I feel like <laughs> we need some sort of budget usually to try and like uh, force the fun a little bit. So where do you... Where do you get your ideas from for for how to sort of shape or or kind of improve the culture for for you and your staff? I know you're you're a small team now, but it's going to be growing. And is it sort of a bit of trial and error? Is it a bit of learning from you know cultures that you've you've worked at previously? Like where where do you get your your thoughts from for that? I think I think yeah, we've we've all worked at a few different places now, so we're going to bring in some of what you enjoyed from those places inevitably. Um, we're we're so so new it's still being defined kind of thing we've got one member of staff we're hiring another two which we should get in soon hopefully um so it's going to be more obvious about what what it feels like to work here uh in a couple of months i think for especially for our staff and but i think i'm keen like i said i'm keen to get them involved i want feedback from them on what they want to be doing 
um, and even to the point where you know where we can actually get them involved in organising the, the company fund or be part of that if they're actually like really bought into the agency and they want to want to do that kind of thing. So I'm really keen to to, to get them to feedback on it in terms of what we actually end up doing. We're trying to introduce things that we're not even reinforcing yet. So we we've, we've gone out for a meal and we're going to do that once a month. Um, that kind of thing I can I can see us saying we're going to do it and then you don't always do it so we've got to try and reinforce it ourselves as well and make sure we actually do it and that's a thing that's in we have a like a, a weekly end of week unbottled where we, we talk through everything that's happened that week um, and say this you know this is the clients we're speaking to this is the cool work we've done this is what X, X has done and they've done amazing that kind of thing those little things like we're just trying we're gradually trying to introduce them um, so I'm keen to do more and more of that and then eventually get the staff to feedback and suggest things as well. That's really nice talking about the, um, you know, just just the transparency of what work has been happening this week and what people mm. have done and what's, what people have learned. Like that, you know, you're using that as an example of how you're starting out your culture, which is a really good example of how it's, it isn't all about trips and it isn't all about things and spending money necessarily, but it's, yeah, creating an environment that feels really open and um, I imagine there's a lot of congratulations as well. So people feel really appreciated and they know what's going on. Um, that's something I think like we're, our team has grown like um, in the last couple of years and it went from, especially when you're in an office, obviously very easy to keep people abreast with that kind of stuff. But um, it's it's been something where we've had to make a conscious effort to make sure people are aware of what's going on outside of their own clients yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and it's, yeah, something that you can easily kind of forget about how that can really help with the culture and, and how people kind of feel within yes. the team. Yeah, you don't feel isolated then if you're just coming in and doing your job and, and going and going home and not really knowing what's going on. We yeah. did we did our first kind of like financial update the other week and that was like the first we've only got like one employee, so it's <laughs> literally a sound sat around a laptop saying we're doing well kind of thing. So <laughs> it, we're we're like we're trying to figure out how transparent we want to be and what information people need and stuff and that, like I said, we'll probably learn more over the next few months on that. Um, are there any like particular companies, and it might be outside of SEO and digital PR, but are there any companies that you look to and think have created great culture and kind of aspire to be like? I don't know if it's going to make me sound bad. Um, and I'm like this with the actual work. So I'm, I'm like this with the work that's going on, in particular in our industry, but I don't really look at what other people are, are doing. Um, so there's a couple of reasons why I don't. The work side is slightly different to the culture side, but I don't know what it's like to work at those places. So... I could say I want to build a culture like Gymshark, for example. I actually have no idea what it's like to work there. And we all know social media is the highlight reel. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't want to be basing our culture off something that looks good and actually might not be, for example. Um, and then I'm also a big fan of like creating something instead of inheriting something. Um, so we're inevitably going to bring through stuff that we worked at past agencies and stuff like that. That's just going to happen. So we kind of are doing that. Um, but I don't do loads of like, Oh, I wish we were like them or I'm looking into what they're doing. That was cool because it just might not be like, I just don't know um, without working there myself. So yeah, we're going to try our best to create something. And I'm, like I said, I'm similar on the work side where I don't, if, if I, all I look at is propeller net campaigns, then all I'm thinking about is propeller net campaigns when I'm doing idea gen and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, we're trying to like do our own thing and we're inevitably going to bring through stuff, like I said, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really very good at that. That's looking just... at other people. That's so refreshing to hear because I think we do have quite like a, or the, the the digital marketing or digital PR culture is quite like inward facing in lots of ways. We do kind of look yeah. at a lot of other people's. There's lots of lovely stuff, like lots of great sharing of tips and like here's, you know, and fails as well and things like that. But just to hear someone say, actually, I want to create it for myself. I'm going to take bits that I've learned. I'm not going to, because you're absolutely right. We it's so easy to make that judgment and go, oh, I want to... Because I've always thought I'd want to work at... Um, or see what it's like to work at Paddy Power because they always look like they're having a right laugh. Yeah. But essentially, that's because they're creating videos to make people laugh. I mean, I don't know. It might be awful yeah. to work at. <laughs> like, So you're right. You don't, you're don't. you not going to know until you work there. So why not yeah. create something that you're proud of, that you want to do? That's great. Exactly. I also think I've you know, set up a business before in 2017 and that I compared myself to death to everyone that was... And I think it's the comparison thing that doesn't do as much good in real life either on Instagram and stuff like that so yeah I'm, this time around I'm trying not to be like oh I wish we were doing that or that looks cool and just be like we're just going to do our own thing and hope it works yeah so what um what in your opinion 
motivates people to do better work. Like we really like the look of what you're doing and the industry does at, at Bottled Imagination and like how you shaped it and the work's going to be super important. But how do you actually kind of get your staff, how do you motivate them to do better work? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think it's, I've just come from working with basically 100, over 100 individuals as well. I think that's that's it. You've got groups of individuals that are motivated by different different things. And if you treat them all the same, then it's not going to work. And I think it's it's trying to understand those different types of people, what, they're motiv- what they are motivated by. So my motivations, I know, and I was probably confused at this when I was like 27-ish maybe, like I know now that they are financial and I want to leave a legacy of work behind. And I won't sacrifice either of those. So I won't build a legacy of work for no money and I won't get paid a load of money for not doing good work. So I'm aware of that now, but it's trying to find out on an individual basis with the staff, like what are they actually motivated by? Um, And I think, like we said, with one of our values is user imagination. And that can can be translated to lots of different types of people as well. So that might be using your imagination to try and find new data sources or to come up with campaign ideas that have not been done before. Uh, I think consistently across the company, we do want people to feel creative and they want to feel free and expressing their creativity and stuff. So uh, people to be motivated by that and to do to, to be doing good work. But I think it's on an individual basis. We did uh, disc profiles and stuff at previous agencies and people are just wildly different and uh, they're going to be motivated by different different types of things. So I think it's just trying to understand that and then trying to group these people in, into different types of types of types of people mm-hmm. uh, and then try and understand what they're actually motivated by yeah that makes perfect sense because a catch-all like for okay we're either going to offer i don't know unlimited holiday or bonuses because some people are going to be really motivated by that but others are going to want exactly what you've just described like i want to feel free creatively and not restrained or i want to i need constant praise or some people really need like direct feedback in the moment others struggle with that so I think you're absolutely right. How I mean, you're talking about how to how you motivate people or how you can motivate people at work and do better work. Um, how do you address failure? So that could be failure, um, things that might not be going to plan within your agency, or it might be things that you feel that you have failed at. Because um, it's quite hard to maintain a good, positive um, agency culture while also saying, "Look, this could have been better," or "Let's improve on this." Yeah, I think failure is quite a big one. For me, it just makes me sound like a bit of a lifter, to be honest. But like, it's it's one of those things that you look at the time is awful, but you look back on. And I've had like two big, big failures before. So like, I set up a company in 2017. I wanted it to be amazing, and it it didn't take off. Like, it got close. I had pictures with Google and Sega and stuff, but I, like, I really wanted it to do well, and it didn't at all. I had to go back and, and work in ha- another agency. Um, but looking back on those sort of things now, they're the most important important elements of of my life now so instead of viewing it like a failure i view it like i made all of those mistakes and now i set up another agency and i'm not making those mistakes again um so i think you've just got to look at it like that with within yourself and also with the staff and if we're encouraging creativity in different types of thoughts and different types of campaigns there's probably going to be some failure within that Mm -hmm. and you can't encourage that and then hammer people for failing for example um, you've got to pro- providing constructive feedback is really difficult as well, and you've got to try and try and do that so you get the best out of them the next time around as well. Um, so yeah, I think like I said, I've had a couple of big failures, and I think about it a lot. But um, that's something we're not we don't want to be an, an agency that fails and stuff <laughs> like that. But um, I think there's going to be failure. We we as founders are going to make mistakes, and we're going to make small failures, hopefully, and not big ones. Um, and it's just about uh, re- how you react to them, I think, as well. I've been in scenarios before where I've lost big clients and how we reacted to that, for example, means now now if we ever lost a big client again, I'd react accordingly because I've, I've been through that experience. And I think if a member of staff goes through that experience, it's about guiding them through that. So next time they are prepared for how they're going to feel and also have a look back about how we might be able to prevent it. Sometimes you can do amazing stuff and it, it, you can still fail as well. So yeah. I worked. I worked really hard on my first business, and I still failed uh, because I was sat on a laptop for 12, 14 hours a day, and I felt guilty being away from the laptop. Whereas now I know I probably need a lunch break, and I probably need to do this and to do that to keep me sort of sane and well. Yeah. And therefore, I'm going to perform better in my business anyway. So I think 
yeah, learning from it is just a big a big thing, and I'm going to try and encourage that. And it's not they're not always like easy conversations, and some people are harder on themselves than others as well. So it's trying to understand on an individual basis again about how to how to best deal with that. Yeah, you you referenced there the um the twelve to fourteen hour days when you were setting up your your previous business, um, and this is quite a blunt question because obviously you are just kind of you're just starting out um with a new agency. And I know from friends and from a little bit of experience as well, like when you're sort of trying to build a company from scratch, you really do have to put the hours in, but like you're obviously trying it differently this time. But like the question really is how how are you managing or how will you manage work-life balance for both you and your team? Because you need time away, but you also need to invest quite a lot of time to get things up and running. Is that like a real challenge at the moment? Yeah, I think like like there's a minimum amount of work you have to put in to make something like this work. So there's there's that, but then there's different types of work. So there's effective work, or there's being sat worried about stuff and and procrastinating and stuff like that. So for me personally, I'm trying to do the most effective work possible. Uh, and if I do really effective work in seven hours, that is way better than non-effective work for 12, 14 hours, which is something I know now. Uh, from a staff point of view, they don't work after 5.30, it's not going to happen. So right. if it is happening, and occasionally agencies, you know, some big influx of work, it can happen sometimes. If it's consistently happening, then there's something wrong with our processes. Um, so we need to look at that and we'll address that as soon as possible. Um, so comms is an absolute killer of, of people. Um, so Slack, WhatsApp, that can just be an app, a complete drain on people. It means that people are switched on all the time. So there'll be no slack after 5.30. Um, what's that between ourselves as founders is probably going to happen and we like we like talking about stuff and that. But if that becomes a problem, then we're, we're all going to be transparent about it too. Um, so I think tr- in order to do that, you need trust. So you can't be passing on your anxieties to your team. So if you feel worried about something um, or you want to know what's going on, there should be processes in place where you get that information if you're not getting it and then it comes out in a i'm worried about this direct slack message to an exec or in the slack channel you're passing on your anxieties you're passing on panic to the staff you're going to cause overworking because they feel like they're going to have to try and amend that whereas you should be just be getting the information you need so you don't have to do that mm-hmm. um myself it's something i've, I've struggled with over the years I've, I've been burnt out before um now i make sure i actually have lunch breaks i uh, do exercise and stuff like that i try and finish it at 5 30 and then later on if i have to do some stuff i do um so it, it's something that we need to set a president off quite early else else we're not setting a good example as well um so even if it's amongst ourselves then it's kind of fair enough at the minute but um it's not long term we're going to set a precedent of we're doing this and therefore other people are going to expect to do that because that's that's how you can sort of just pass down bad habits as well. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned about WhatsApp because uh, you reminded me, I think it was a couple of months ago now, but there was a a study maybe it was um and it was around particularly like PR professionals and there was a couple of anonymized case studies and they were talking about I guess burnout and and um you know not having great working environments and things like that and one that did come up a lot was talking about getting messages to your personal phone um about work stuff and that is not something that had really crossed my mind until again like covid because i mean i like mm. in a way i loved talking about work all the time because there was nothing else to talk about at that point yeah. um, so i was like thank god i have this to be thinking about rather than the end of the world but you know now you've gone back to normal life that isn't i don't think healthy unless like you said you're kind of your your founders and you're doing it you know because you're all accepting of that. Um, but for more like um, employees and stuff, I personally just don't think there should, like on your own personal phone, I just don't think that's right. And I think it's going to make for a very stressful environment if you can't yeah, get away from it. It can it can be perceived as like, oh, don't reply then, but it's not on that. It's on the person messaging. And especially if that person's more senior messaging, someone more junior mm. about work, then you're putting the onus on, on that person to then yeah. think about work at that time, whatever the time is. And, um so yeah it's something you can't you just can't really do and expect it to to not affect people yeah Yeah. it's setting the tone as you say luke like you're the you know you're the founder you're you're like running the company with your co-founders so you've got to set the tone as it sounds like you're doing brilliantly i mean um we try and do it with like holiday for example and I, i used to be terrible for like checking stuff on holiday not like to the point where i was actually working on holiday but you just get addicted to like whatsapp and slack and email and like oh, i just 
stay in touch. But actually, we're kind of telling people, like, if they come on Slack with they're on a holiday, like, go away. Yeah. Enjoy your holiday. <laughs> like, we have it under control in yeah. the nicest possible way. Yeah. It's like, we'll, we will contact if there's anything, like, super, super urgent that you haven't told us. But otherwise, it's your time, you know? Don't, don't come back to us. I should say, for absolute transparency... Lou does WhatsApp me once a week with new TikTok ideas. She needs my feedback, that kind of thing. So it gets a bit jarring. This sounds, this sounds toxic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what this podcast is going to expose, mine and Lou's yeah, yeah. toxic Great. working relationship. <laughs> um, I'm going to move on to something slightly a bit more serious. Um, I think a few months ago, you might have tweeted about how unfortunately you experienced burnout. Um, if you're comfortable talking about it, I think it would be really interesting because what does you know the term burnout mean to you? It can mean a lot of different things to different people. And what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about that sort of stuff. I think I'm keen for it not to be a buzz term. So I, it's some, I felt tired and stressed before at work, like everyone has and stuff. This was something a bit different. Um, like I said, I, I've had problems switching off before. Um, I've been at you know reasonably paced agencies and that before, and you know I sometimes I actually want it to be going quicker, and I actually I end up just working out of hours doing random stuff anyway. So I wouldn't say like I'm, I hate people who say they're workaholic, but I'm not. I just I like being plugged into something, and I think at the time I was an agency that was growing crazy. There was basically an endless supply of work, so I was just like cool, plug myself into it. Um, I can just do everything here. That's great for me. Keeps me my mind occupied and stuff like that. But there's like a shelf life on being able to work like that. You just can't sustain that for very long. And it's not like I've been taking it easy over the last 10 years anyway. I have been, like I said, I've tried to set up companies. I've, I've always worked out of hours or freelancers and stuff like that. But this time I started isolating myself. So I started not replying to friends, not seeing friends. I forgot my mom and dad's birthday until quite late uh, on the day, which I've never done before. So basically I was all consumed by by work. And then you can get to a point where... The glass feels really full and if something happens in your personal life then that can just tip it over and it's not like you wake up one morning and you're like i'm burnt out sometimes that that can happen from what i've read uh but for me i just i went like six months without any emotions at all so i didn't feel anything i didn't really clock onto it that quickly either um so i was watching the euros final with england and i'm a football fan that's usually something that'd be high emotion for me um, and I didn't wasn't enjoying it. And then I, I thought back to when I last enjoyed watching football or last, last enjoyed doing something I enjoyed. And I couldn't really remember. And then I just thought I've not had actually any emotions for ages. Um, so it crept up a little bit. Um, like I said, there can be a combination of stuff. But because I prioritise work more than anything, um, it was easy to overflow and anything in personal life that can kind of tip me over the edge there. So I just... Yeah, I needed a bit of time off. I, I luckily had a few weeks off. And even that's really probably not enough when you're in that sort of scenario. It's it's probably happened and it's probably run its course and you probably need a bit of sustained time off to try and reevaluate how you're working and stuff like that. But I did. I came back and I had an agreement with myself and with other people that this is how I'm going to work now. Um, and I want to, I'm want i going to adhere to it and I want other people to adhere to it. Um, and I kind of stood by it. So I... Had had lunch breaks. I went to the gym every lunch. I was swimming. I was meditating. I was basically doing everything I can to try and keep myself healthy. Um, and then I followed up on it. So I called out any out of hours contact and stuff. I remember sending an email on on a Sunday night and just said um, that we agreed not to do this. And this is not how you get the best out of me. If you want to get the best out of me, this is how we do it. Um, so I just protect protected myself basically. So I think learning from it is you've got to protect yourself from that there's going to be a shelf life on working like that um and it's probably not even the first time i've burnt out it's probably stuff in the past that i've done um so it's just a case of protecting yourself and being aware of when that's happening or even worse scenario for me now when that would be happening to a staff member and if i was you know contributing to that even worse so i think it's something i'm keen to keen to try and make people aware of and make sure that people aren't aren't doing that because I was largely doing it to myself as well because that's just sort of what the kind of person I am I think mm. so um yeah it's something I learned quite a bit from and yeah luckily I feel like really invigorated now and I'm you know running the company and I definitely don't feel like I'm you know burning out or anything like that so I've, I think I've got got to a place where I'm trying to protect that a lot better than what I was mm. for sure how did um because you, you thank you for talking about it and you know you obviously sort of tweeted about it. it's great to sort of 
you know, raise awareness of of different experiences of it because it is really, really important, I think quite prevalent. But like, how did, again, if you don't mind me asking, how did people respond when you started talking about it? Were they like quite receptive to what you needed? Were they sort of dismissive? I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, it's obviously quite a broad question because I'm assuming you talked to quite a few people about it, but like, I think people react quite differently to that. Yeah, I think there's some people you know you can have a conversation with this sort of stuff about and there's some people that are not quite there yet or it's not happened mm. to or they haven't been uh, involved in that kind of thing. So I, what I won't do is go to go to someone who I know is like that and try and have a conversation about my mental health or burnout because you're not going to get the correct response basically and that's mm. fair and that's trying to understand where, where they are as well. Um, largely, people are really supportive about that sort of stuff, I think. it's not It's not the sort of stuff that I'm like, Oh, I feel really comfortable about tweeting this sort of stuff, but occasionally there's some stuff where I'm like, okay, well, I'm now a founder of an agency. I've been through these kind of things. Like other people are probably going through similar things. If I can help them through that, and I had quite a few people reach out to me after after one of those posts and said they're going through something similar, and I actually found that quite it's quite nice. Uh, I had like quite a lot of messages and I had quite a lot of good conversations. So overall, people are you know are good people and it's yeah. kind and they're, they're quite supportive and that was pretty much the the gist of it yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so many people probably it's hard to recognize those things in yourself um which obviously you were able to but it sounds like you said you might have had it part past kind of burnout issues before yeah. um so maybe it's just like kind of this time you're like oh no this must this is bad um but yeah, for someone like you, who is very well respected in the industry, to be able to talk about it, like I think it does really help people to kind of look to themselves and think like, oh, actually, that does sound an awful lot like what I'm going through. I think it's very, very helpful. And it's, um, yeah, so I think it's really great that you you shared it with people. I think we've come to our final question, yes. haven't we? What do you want to see more of in the digital PR industry? And what do you want to see less of? That is quite a good question, isn't it? It's a good question for someone who's just set up an agency as well. Um I want to see more of what I haven't seen yet, which sounds like a weird answer. So I want to see thing. I want to see things and think, oh, that's clever. I'm for that, or I wish I'd have thought of that. I want to see that all the time. I think that's what's exciting about our industry is doing things that you haven't quite seen yet. Um, I think it's become very reactive, um, and because of the press, because of the press sort of regime, has become very, very reactive. We've responded to that, but we're kind of adhering to another industry there where. Um, you could lay out a clear strategy, for example, and then sit back and wait for something else to happen. And it kind of like it, it, it can, can sometimes not always match up. I think what else you've got there is um, we're all effective at building links, let's say in digital PR and specifically, there's loads of good agencies, but you can all build links. So then it becomes a race for the same stories if everyone's doing the same things. Um, and I just don't want us to give up on creative campaigns or anything. Yeah, I know just because of the perceived level of risk, I want I still want us to be doing cool stuff uh, and pushing the boundaries and stuff and breaking into other industries even. Um, I want to see less link KPIs. Um, I think it's a race to the bottom and we can all build links using the same techniques. Therefore, it kind of comes down to cost and therefore cost per link and therefore we're back in 2012 when people were buying links kind of thing. So I think for the, for me, I understand why there's KPIs around links but and I'm aware of how the pitching process is probably working at the moment and it's probably... Uh, for certain types of clients, it's probably coming down to the amount of links they can build for the amount of cost. Uh, and I think there's a lot more to do, that we can that we do, and there's a lot more that comes out of what we do beyond that. Um, I'm not sure of the answer of how to get there. Um, <laughs> we 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 quite like not not 100% of our revenue coming in tied to a link KPI. So I think that's where we're going to try and get to and get to a lower percentage on that sort of stuff. Um, and then finally, probably I'd like to see more accurate reporting and better understanding of our role and what it can play in the overall picture. And that works on both sides. So I want to see like not reporting too little. So not saying we've got X amount of links when actually there's loads of cool stuff that happened that we might not have looked into and not reporting kind of overinflation of the impact of what we've done as well. So just accurate reporting on, on what we're doing and giving the work we do the best, uh, the best kind of like response in terms of the report of what I actually did. Um, so yeah, there's quite a few things there I think that I want and don't want. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Are you hiring? Are you looking for more we clients? Are, we are hiring, yeah. We're, hi- we're hiring, I think, a P- just a PR exec now, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to say PR manager and PR exec, like basically everyone else in the industry. So um, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're hiring 
uh, on the PR front, um, we are obviously brand more, more or less brand new, only a couple of months old publicly and stuff like that. So, I mean, if anyone just wants to have a conversation um, about basically anything, running an agency, um, anything like that, then that would also be great too, because I'm really enjoying those conversations so far. Amazing. Um, yeah, we will include where relevant your Twitter handle so people can message you. I'm sure they'll be able to find uh, yeah, you. Yeah, I, I want more followers as well. That's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make that happen. Great. Well, uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us um, and we'll hopefully speak to you soon. And thanks, thank you Luke. for listening. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Thank you.